You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 89, Snow Loads and Mold. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast, Steve. Today we are talking about snow loads and mold. Now, most people don't see a connection. What's the connection? Well, the amount of snow you have sitting on your roof, obviously, over time could allow moisture intrusion into the roof. But you forgot to congratulate me for the last episode. Oh, yes. By myself. Congratulations <laughs> on doing your first solo episode. Yeah, how how so, did it feel to do a solo episode? I don't know. I think I told you, you probably didn't think it was the best, but that's okay. We like to be the best we can be. But it was okay. I, you know, the first one I felt like I, I was talking to myself, and then the second and third ones after that should get better, you know. Yeah, but it was just the first one, so... You know, we have last week's by myself, then this one is both of us, and next week's going to be by myself. So we're going to give our listeners kind of a little 50 50 here. Some versatility. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sobriety. But it was your idea. So yes, if our was. listeners don't like it, um, Cassandra's <laughs> phone number is 307. Just kidding. <laughs> well, here's the thing when they have a solo episode with you, they get a taste of what it's like to have a consult with you because you spend a lot of time. When you're working with one-on-one clients, teaching. That's that's a great way to look at it, yeah. actually. And, I, you know, I'm sure as I get to my second one and my third one, it'll, like I said, it should get more comfortable. And, you know, I'm just not not like you. I'm not a public speaker and a coach and all that stuff. So this is something kind of new. But anyhow, let's get back to well, what we were you're, you're a fantastic about. teacher, which is why people love the one-on-one <laughs> consults. They get way more bang for their buck yeah. than one-on-ones with you. Well, like you said, they don't, you know. They don't get a console with both of us talking, so they just have to hear me. That's true. All right, so going back to snow loads on, I don't know if it's roofs or roofs, but it's one or the other. Well, like I said, 
I'm not. I'm the blue collar guy. You're the highly educated one. But it's just simpler if we say snow load on a roof. Yeah, on a roof. <laughs> <laughs> let's just yeah. Because either way, when you live on the East Coast in the tundra, which is not really a tundra once you live in a place like Wyoming or Alaska, and there's tons of snow, you're bound to deal with this issue. So, what is the connection between someone who lives in Alaska gets a ton of snow on their roof and mold? So. And, and we obviously are talking about snow loads on a roof, but we're we're talking to about roof pitches. So, so for our listeners that live in the south, that are lucky enough to not be in the tundra right now, you know this this will be informational too. But but for the people like up there in Alaska, you know I know where we live. Um, a few years ago, they were paying I don't know how much they were paying like six seven hundred dollars a roof around here for people to shovel off the snow because we had gotten so much snow. And so, like I was saying earlier, you know, as you think about your roof and you have three foot or three feet um, of snow, you know, you could be on the very bottom so that you can't see. That snow could, you know, be slowly melting. And uh, we actually have an episode that's that's going to be, I believe it's my next week's, yeah, it is actually, is rain gutters and ice dams. So it kind of covers that. But if you think about three feet of snow on your roof, all that added weight, and then where you can't see from the attic part, you could have the snow melting, and it's somewhat trapped there. Well, water follows the path of least resistance. And that... I know it sounds crazy, but even on a pitched roof, that water can be melting here and working its way underneath the shingles. And if you have any defects with shingles or tar paper, it's coming into your attic. And you're not going to notice it till obviously, you're going to have a mold problem once you notice. Because once you notice it in here, you're going to see the water stains. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does so, that kind of answer the question? Probably not. Well, p- part of the, the problem is, I don't know, I know you think about this, but I don't know that the average homeowner thinks about checking the integrity of their roof or the quality of their roof. I mean, when a few shingles come off, they sort of go, let me patch it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they understand what kind of serious moisture intrusion stuff can be caused if, if you have even small issues in your roof. Right. So, you know, a lot of people, they want to obviously do it themselves, you know, fix a little area. Typically, if you're going to do a whole roof, you're going to pay somebody. Unless, you know, maybe you got friends that know how to do shingles but for the most part you're probably not going to see the whole roof sub what i call the subroof. so below the shingles you have tar paper or underlayment whatever you can have synthetic stuff and then you have that subroof. so that's the half inch it can be cdx or wafer board. and is the tar paper waterproof i think a lot of people yes. think it is waterproof it is yes. waterproof yep. yeah that's, so so your first defense, if you're, if you're, if you think about it as the construction process, okay. So this is going to sound opposite. Our listeners are going to be, wait, no, aren't the shingles the first defense? As far as building your home, you put a subroof on the roof trusses. Okay. And then the first defense of moisture intrusion is that tar paper. Okay. And that's why, that's why you start, uh, when you do tar paper or any shingles, you start from the bottom and work up so that, like on, on the tar paper, it's overlapped. So coming from the top of the roof, nothing can get underneath. Because if you did it from the top down, mm-hmm. the water could get underneath the layer below it. So it's, if the water gets, so the point of the tar paper to kind of answer your question, not get too deep into this, is if for some reason, if 
moisture gets through the shingles, it hits that tar paper, and then it will run out onto your drip edge, which is right here at your eaves. Okay. So it's a, it's from the finished product view, it's your second line of defense for moisture intrusion. Does that make sense? Yes, but I guess my question is, I guess people worry less about a few shingles coming off because they know the tar paper is there to protect moisture intrusion. But how does a mold by moisture intrusion by a roof get caused if the tar paper is still there to protect it? Because if you're missing, let's just say you're missing like eight shingles. So you're talking like a little three by three area, not very big. You see your tar paper and it looks like it's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. But you don't know, actually, if above that or below it, if there's a void in the tar paper. Does that make sense? When you say a void in the tar paper, do you like mean... Like it's ripped or... Oh, so it, had, so it could get ripped when the shingle... When oh. you're putting shingles on. Oh, okay. It, so you don't know if there the, is a... Ah, uh, okay. The wind can get underneath there. Okay. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons why it could, there could be a defect. So does a lot of snow on the roof... Um, make the shingles come loose or make the, you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't. Now, if, okay. if you have a roof that's intact, okay, no, it shouldn't okay. do anything. But going back to what we first talked about, but that wa- that snow sitting there, eventually the, it has to melt and turn into water. You might not see, you know, right at the level of the shingles that could be melting and it, you don't know where that water is trying to go. I see. It's kind okay. of trapped there. Okay. Does that make sense? So that's why you see, like you mentioned Alaska, um, you know, cabins for the most part, they have really steep pitched roofs, like an A-frame. So that the snow just falls. Just falls right okay. off. Okay. Okay. And, and that's the whole point. And so, you know, going back to the, you can see missing shingles. Now, if snow is sitting on a roof and you have missing shingles, well, you, you're going to have a heck of a mess down the road, if that makes sense. So it's just a matter of time. Yeah. And it, it looks fine from, from the yard, but you probably go up into your attic and if you have an attic. Like here, we, we don't have an attic. These are what we call vaulted or scissor trusses. Mm-hmm. So there's no attic space up there. By the time we know there's a major issue as far as what we can see, is down below we see this huge water stain. Once you start tearing that sheetrock off, the insulation's all moldy and the subroof from this side. Okay. So, does that so, make sense? So it's very proud. So the reality is, is for people who don't understand snow load on a roof, the bigger the snow load, the more pressure it puts on the roof? Correct. What? Okay. Right. So it's just, you know, it's geometry and obviously engineering. And so when, when your roof trusses... All roof trusses are engineered. You know this. We've you know we've dealt with uh, Teton truss, and they're like, okay, here's what the snow load is around here, and so they engineer those trusses. Even if you buy them at, at any of the hardware stores, you know Home Depot, Lowe's, all that, those trusses are engineered, and so they're engineered for a six twelve, which is what we call the pitch of a roof, which is the the common pitch. It's a pitch you can walk on. It's not too steep. A 612 roof here in Wyoming is engineered for a higher snow load, okay. meaning that the roof trusses themselves are beefed up a little more versus, let's just say, Arizona, because you don't have snow sitting on the roof in Arizona. Exactly. Well, unless you're like in North Flagstaff. Yeah. yeah. So does that make sense? So, that does make sense. So it's not, for our listeners, it's, it's not something you need to sit there and go, well, are our roof trusses engineered the, the proper way? The, Roof trusses have to be engineered, if okay. that makes sense. That makes sense. It's, 
it's a standard across the entire United States. So for our listeners, don't worry if your roof trusses have the proper snow load. What you need to worry about is how much snow can be on that. Okay. If that, that makes sense. That makes a, okay. That makes a lot of sense. So then <clears throat> you were just talking about different states, different areas, different uh, weather cycles. They have different requirements for snow load, right? For the pitch right. of right. the roof. Mm-hmm. So what happens if there's too much snow load on a roof for a given area? So if there's just, just too much snow, like we were talking about a couple of years ago, it, it's obviously going to compromise the structural integrity of the roof trusses. And something as minor is, so when you get your roof trusses, once again, they're engineered and there's a plan and it shows. So, so our listeners can imagine what a roof truss looks like. Um, you know, it's a big triangle and it has webbing in it. Well, once it's there set on, on the building, <clears throat> per the engineer architect specs, you have to put additional webbing in there. It's nothing. It's, it's like two by fours and whatnot. But anyhow, my point is, if your contractor didn't put embracing is probably the best way to word it. The proper cross bracing in there, just something as minimal as that that's important, mm-hmm. your roof's going to just start sagging. Okay. And over time, I mean, it, this is the extreme, but your, your roof's just going to collapse. And literally, hopefully nobody would be sitting underneath it. You could see the sky. Wow. So, I mean, it's pretty serious. And it's that's why. Serious. Yeah. I mean, that's, like I said, if they're, if, if you question, you know, is there too much snow on my roof? If you're already asking yourself that, you probably should address it. So if somebody is questioning that, I mean, how does somebody even know if there's snow, you know, if what the snow load is and how? They wouldn't. Okay, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. So it, what are some signs? Like, how do you know when you need to mitigate it then? Well, I would say, <laughs> here's a good barometer. If, you're, if your roof has more than probably a foot and a half of snow on it, you probably should be concerned. Um, I'm not saying people don't know. I don't want to. I don't want any of our listeners to think that you know. I think that they're not educated. But if you built your home, you probably have all the specs. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you don't know how much snow can be up there. That's so true. you know, and obviously, if you think about snow like like a, a slushy, you buy the slushy, and it's all nice and. What's the proper term I want to use? But it's a nice ball. Yeah. And by the time you get to the bottom, it's just all water. Exactly. And so as far as the snow load on a roof, you know, you can have heavier wet snows. You know, we looking at the snow here, you know, right now it's just a, it's a dry snow. When you get a wet snow, obviously it's totally different. So whether it's wet or dry really would dictate it. But like I said, if you have more than like a foot and a half, then you should be concerned. And, and another thing for our listeners if you put heat tape, uh, and I'll talk about it when I talk about ice dams, if you put heat tape on your eaves and it's just kind of mm-hmm. that zigzag stuff that only comes up like two feet, if you put that on your roof, obviously you'd have to do it uh, when there's no snow on your roof. Your snow, that heat tape will allow that snow to melt off at the eaves and hopefully the snow above it will slide down. Okay. And on a, on a metal roof, obviously it slides obviously a lot easier because there's less friction there. So this is something that I'm really curious about in terms of, uh, you know, just, just thinking about it because we have plans for our big house. And I don't know that we talked about snow load on those 
French chateau like peak. <laughs> so, so if, if somebody's thinking about building a house, maybe even in a state they've never lived in that has a lot of snow, is that something that their general contractor determines? Is that something the trust co- like? It's the trust company. Okay, the trust. Co- okay, right. Gotcha. And so the trust company has, you know, and they're all different, but architects and engineers. So if we, so speaking of our house plans, if we were to build that down in Arizona or Florida, the trusses wouldn't be as beefed up as they have to be here. Okay, gotcha. So I doubt any of our listeners would buy roof trusses from Florida and have them shipped to where it's snowy. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't make much sense, but that you could have run into issues there. But yes, your contractor should know. Obviously, the trust company, they, they send you a detail mm-hmm. with the trusses. I mean, it's it, it's all engineered and everything. And so, you know, keep in mind, too, like, you know, there's all, we talked about these scissor trusses we have for vaulted ceilings. Mm-hmm. There's different styles of trusses, too. Okay. Like, let's say, uh, you know, I know back east, and you live back there, so you, you can speak more to this. They use their attics for, like, living areas. Yes, they do. Very often in big, big houses. So you have a totally, the bottom of that roof truss, instead of it being like a two by six around here Mm -hmm. or two by four, there it would be like a two by 10 or two by 12. So it's a lot wider. So it can support that weight. Yeah. And so, you know, all that's done, like I said, by the truss company, but it, it, there's just a lot of variables. But for our listeners, if you're building a new house, you know, I, I have courses that I've done that kind of walk, you know, matter of fact, my latest book talks about that stuff. Building a mold resistant yep. home. Yeah. Not, not specifically snow loads, but it, it, it goes through, you know, what you need to know. So I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's a great book to buy. To buy and find on Amazon. Now I'm going to take you down one more rabbit hole before we come back to mold. All of these contractors who are building these track homes, you know, the same home, they have cookie a whole cutter, set of cookie yep. cutter homes. How do you know that they took into consideration what they needed for the trusses for snow? You don't. See? So should you act like, I know you've consulted with people when they were building a home. Mm-hmm. You've served as a consultant for them. Are those things that you consult with them and, and tell them you should ask this, you should, yep. a- okay. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I don't know what we were talking about the other day, but uh, we were talking about a, a, a me being a consultant for new construction and the contractors hate me. Yeah, because they you, hate you because you're you're not trying to t- t- treat them like they don't know what they're doing, but you have contractors that don't know what they're doing. Correct. So they feel like you know you're questioning their expertise and whatnot. But I mean, think of it this way: if you're going to go in and have a procedure done on your body, don't you kind of want to know everything that's going yeah, on? Yeah, you kind of do. You should probably look at your house the same way. And do you care if your doctor gets mad for asking questions? No, <laughs> so, I really don't. That's how you should look at it. It's your home. And so, yeah, like you were saying, like, it's, they're good questions to ask. And if, if the people you're asking those questions are getting upset, then that kind of tells you their, their integrity, in my opinion. I so. agree with that. So what, so going back to the whole thing of avoiding a snow load, putting undue pressure on a roof or causing a problematic roof to then cause moisture intrusion to then call mold, to cause mold. What is your call to action for people who might be concerned about it? So like we were talking earlier, if you're, you know, we're in the middle of winter. I don't, technically, I, don't, I guess we don't call it that. But anyhow, it's cold out there and we're getting snow and in places that get snow. Next time you go outside or next time you're pulling up to your driveway, if there's more than a foot, a foot and a half of snow, that's kind of what I would say on your roof, then you need to do something about it. Okay. And when I say do something, you 
you, it needs to be removed. And that needs to be, you need to make sure you get the proper people to do it. It would be kind of fun, I guess, if you got your buddies together on a weekend and you bought them beer and just let them shovel your roof off and watch them slide off off your roof. roof. But that's probably what happens. So, so obviously I'd recommend having the the proper professionals do it, but you do need to do something. Absolutely. And pick up your book on Amazon because that will help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this week we're, we're promoting the email list. Uh, we have, you could speak better to that. Um, yeah, we have a mold investigation checklist and a mold fact sheet at cnccontractorservices.com. You can go there. You can sign up. Yep. And uh, so if you know anybody that can use, the, you know, the emails that come after that, I only send one out every two weeks. Very informational. So if you know somebody that could use that, uh, refer them to our, our website. Yes. And then also they should follow you on udemy.com because you're producing new courses in 2021. That's correct. And we do have, um, so we have two paid courses and then we have one that's free. And the free one is uh, is toxic mold making me sick. We t- I talked about that last week in my solo episode, um, but it's a free course, so yeah. it's great information. It is always all right, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.